listeners, this is Jerry DiPiano, and you are listening to the Love Mia Vita podcast. Today's guest is Dr. Ariana Scholes Douglas. Dr. Scholes Douglas is the founder and visionary of Tula Wellness. She's practiced medicine for over 20 years and is board certified in obstetrics and gynecology and maternal fetal medicine. Dr. Ariana specializes in integrative women's health, which is a subspecialty of gynecology that incorporates evidence-based alternative medical therapies to promote healing and recognizes that several factors, mind, body, and spirit contribute to wellness. And it honors a patient-centered approach and healing partnerships between the patient and physician. Welcome, Dr. Ariana Scholes Douglas. Dr. Ariana, may I call you Dr. Ariana? Please do. Yes, that's a mouthful. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Great to be here. We're excited to have you here today. And today's podcast is on a topic that I know is of great curiosity to women and men. And it's one that you know well, among other things, of course. But it really is about what what's going on with female pleasure tools, how to use them safely, and how to coach and counsel someone who may never have used a female sexual pleasure tool. And perhaps if someone is already using one, how to get the, the most out of your, your experience using, in the vernacular, a sex toy. Right. That is the vernacular, but it and, you know, there's obviously, as you know, I would say there's some shame, there's some, you know, almost tabooness to this, this idea and, and what we do. But at the end of the day, um, you know, these are really not things that are meant to be used necessarily in weird or or crazy ways. It's really a very simple process that most of us have of self-pleasure. And so these tools just make that a little bit easier or a lot easier for some people. Um, and then obviously there's a whole subset of toys and things that that's, that's not the kind of uh, genre of toys that I'm talking about. Mostly just, I would say the bread and butter basic toys that, that, that patients, um, want to have some understanding around. And then once you graduate from there, of course, there's a whole lot more you can probably get into, but that's not my area of expertise. So it, it may surprise our audience to know, because it was a surprise to me, that over 50% of women, and this is based on research, have used a sexual pleasure, we'll call this female sexual pleasure device at some point in their lifetime. And over 40% of men have done the same. So it's not as taboo as perhaps women may think. It's actually becoming more mainstream. And, it's, and we know that the industry has just exploded. So again, this is really about empowering oneself, right? I mean, I think you use that on your website. You talk about female empowerment through the use of self-pleasure. Right. And I do think it is a, a 
a process of empowering. And I'll give this example, which my daughter liked. Um, she'll, she won't listen to this podcast, so she won't, she'll never know. Famous last words. But um, so when my daughter turned 14, um, well, I take it back even a step further. I used to work with a woman and she told me that she had given her teenage daughter um, a sex toy or a vibrator, whatever you want to call it. And that was probably six or seven years ago. And I remember thinking, oh, wow, okay, that, that seems aggressive. And then, but the more I thought about it, I was like, you know what? I think that makes the perfect sense because this is a time period where young girls, young boys also for that matter, but you know, we kind of expect young boys, it's kind of like the going joke, at least it was in my house, when your son goes in the, she's in the shower for an hour, we kind of expect them to do that self-exploration. But it's, you know, as most things in life, it's different for women or girls, right? And so I thought about it and I said, you know, we know that little boys masturbate and we know that's not only uh, considered normal, it's kind of almost expected. So what about girls? And so the more I thought about it and the more I thought about my demographic of patients and the ignorance that I see around um, women and you know just where their clitoris is and what feels good, it, it dawned on me that this is actually the exact time to introduce this um, so that you know for her sake, she understands, well, two things would be, uh, two objectives were served here. One was she understands what gives her pleasure and she's not waiting for a little boy or a little girl or whoever to help her understand that. She's going to figure that out for herself. And then when she does eventually go on to have, you know, any um, type of relationship, then she has a much better understanding as opposed to just kind of both going in with, you know, eyes wide shut and nobody knows what's what and clumsy and just, or... You just watched, you know, especially um, the younger generations and well, everybody at this point had their access to pornography. It's like, just start with the basics about where is this point in my body that I feel pleasure, which the clitoris is um, in fact, the only organ in our body that has only one role, which is to provide pleasure. Um, and where is it? And I didn't want her necessarily to have to think that she needed to learn that. And that's what I saw with women. That's what I see is that a lot of women are just, they don't even know what brings in pleasure. They don't understand, you know, how important understanding the clitoris is and their partner doesn't. And they still think that, you know, even though 70% of women generally don't climax from internal, from intercourse, they still have that expectation from just the ignorance of watching um, porn or television where you just, you're just very mis, you're very misguided um, by how some things work. So for all those reasons, um, I, you know, I introduced them to my practice and, um, and took it a step further and introduced it to my family. It's, it's so interesting. Uh, as I was reading some, uh, some of the research that's been done on the use of female sexual pleasure tools, they talk about gendered norms and traditional scripts. And that's exactly what we have here. You know, the true form of equality between the sexes is really being able to take control of your own pleasure. 
right? And it's the examples that the, the examples that you provide just now are reflected in all of the literature that's out there about why why women should be more I would say experiential when it comes to understanding their sexuality. And this is a low risk, right? It's a low risk way in which to explore your sexuality and your, you know, your ability to enjoy sex and your ability to coach your partner, whomever that may be, whether it's a same sex partner or an opposite sex partner or both um, and, or, and or different partners. So yeah, and or different. And yes. you need to be able, or at different times of your life. So you need to be able to understand this in order to have a fulfilling sexual life. So it's, it, it is kind of interesting, but there are, um, there, there are some nuances in it and uh, to helping first time users of these tools. And I know as a, as a board certified OBGYN, you are probably the best person to be able to provide some sort of guidance to use these, these tools in a way that is safe, in a way that is comfortable, in a way that really does make this um, augmenting, if you will, to the overall sexual experience. Uh, could be that you're also celibate and, and perhaps this is the way in which you enjoy sexual pleasure. Yes. All of the above. Um, yeah, I think being an OBGYN is um, a safe space for a lot of people. And um, although we do have the toys in the lobby and there's, I have a whole bunch of funny stories around that, but we also have them, well, actually I don't have them um, displayed the way I used to, but we used to have them really displayed in the room when I saw a patient and what I found is when they're in the lobby, you know, nobody, everybody kind of looks and turns their head like, oh, is that, is that what I think it is? And then they keep moving. And then, but by the time they get to the room and they see them in the room and they know that this is a doctor patient relationship. And I think they feel safe because technically, you know, I'm not going to talk about anything that we talked about in the room. But it's interesting um, if you leave them in the room with the toys and I come back in and then they're looking like, hmm, what exactly is that? And then they're much more willing to ask the questions. And then it's just an opening for some education. Um, and it's like who they were in the lobby is not the same person they are, you know, by the time they get behind a closed door. And that's why I say I still think there's a lot of just shame around it and you know this embarrassment um it's just it's it's accepted but at the same time the average patient when a when a patient does come through the lobby and she's like hey and talks about toys i mean she that's an exception to the rule but it does happen so who starts the conversation do you start the conversation if you see someone in you you walk into your exam room and you're you have someone sitting you know on your you know bed and she's in her gown and do you start, do you get a signal from her? Is there a way that you- Oh would yeah, yeah. The conversations come up um, one of several ways. One way it comes up is that they just see the device in the room and then they start asking questions about what does that do? And then I just explain it. Um, two, I will be, especially with my younger patients, 
um, I'm, I'm always very, um, I always try to educate them and try to make sure they understand like, you know, this is your clitoris, this is your vagina. And as basic as it seems, I mean, I've just had some people that I'm just like, oh my God, like you definitely missed every part of anatomy class or even basic science in, in high school because there's a, a ignorance around some things. And so if I perceive that there is some um, miseducation or some confusion, then that's when I first pull out, I have like a, a little pelvis that, you know, has, that's anatomically correct for women. And I just make sure that they understand the anatomy. And I then will usually bring up, you know, that there is, you know, opportunity for self-pleasure for them to understand. Because I, at that point, I'm thinking, if you don't understand what's happening, then um, you're, you're pretty much at the, um, you just have to wait until your partner either points it out to you or helps you. And it's like, that isn't, I don't want women, um, young girls, anyone to enter into sexual relations ignorant about how their body works. So that's another opportunity um, that I bring it up. Um, and um, if someone's asking me the question, which does come up often of um, whether does my vagina look normal or they'll ask, um, well, I'm not able to climax with intercourse. And then that opens the door where I'm explaining, okay, and then that's when I say, wait, and you may want to get a toy so that you can start to really understand this is how it works and you can use a toy in different ways. And so the conversation is always patient-led though. I don't ever be like, hey, you think you want to get a toy today? I, it, I just leave it there and, and I just have the door open so everybody feels safe to walk through it. So if, the, so if I'm understanding you correctly, if a woman walks into your office and Andrew, she's, you know, she's having this discussion, she's looked at the toys, she, the exception is she may say, oh, I really like what you had in your outer office. Um, then it's easy. Then, it, then it's much more straightforward. But with some of these women, and I'm gathering that there are quite a few of those women that will come in and they express some curiosity, but then they start to discuss their sexual, what they perceive as sexual dysfunction. And it may not be that they are true, they are truly experiencing sexual dysfunction. It's that they don't really understand how to how to achieve pleasure, right? Because they're not knowledgeable about their bodies. If they're not knowledgeable about their bodies, they don't know how to describe this to a partner. It's really about having them tell their partner, maybe their partner's not knowledgeable, but they shouldn't rely on that individual. They really need to rely on themselves to be able to get the most out of sex. Absolutely. And I'll tell you a really quick story of a woman. She was in her mid twenties and she came in to do, because I also do a lot of what we call vaginal rejuvenation procedures. So that all that means though, is that I'm treating women that have vaginal dryness or pain with intercourse. So we're using different heat modalities to affect the tissue so that they can basically have a better experience. But she came in and she had three kids and on my questionnaire, I'm asking, do you climax internally? Do you climax, you know, with the clitoris and this and that? And she said she had never had 
climax. And I was like, girl, what, what, what do you mean? You've never had a, like, that just blew my mind. I think she was 26 actually. And so then I just, that's when I really was just like, wait, hold up. <laughs> First of all, and then I have a series of questions. Well, after, you know, really prodding and talking to her, I realized that her partner was just really a very selfish lover. Like he basically just did his thing and he didn't even bother to ask her like what she was getting out of it. And she didn't know, she didn't understand. And so literally with that short um, explanation, helping her understand um, and showing her the clitoris and how it worked. And she actually got a toy and she came back the next time. She not only had a climax, she actually climaxed through intercourse. She had, she figured it out real fast. I was like, well, wow, you, you went from zero to 100 um, and good for you. But fast forward a few years later, because I tried not to disparage her partner, but by the time I was finished explaining to her that, you know, this is a two-way street, your partner should be interested in your pleasure, vice versa, blah, blah, blah. Now she is happily divorced <laughs> and with a new partner that she is just really having the time of her life with. So um, in that regard, I mean, I'm not happy that obviously her family isn't together any longer, but apparently he was a jerk in a lot of other areas too. But at the end of the day, um, just that little education empowered her um, in so many other levels. So our empowerment isn't just because we were able to climax, but it's really taking ownership of your pleasure and, and you know, the fact that if you're having relations that you have this, you have a right, not, it's not even a right. It's like, that's, what's the point? I mean, just outside appropriation, I mean, this is all about pleasure. So it seems to me, you ought to really understand this, you know, for your own good. It's the ultimate form of equality, right? So you need, you need to be able to enjoy this as much as you possibly can, because guaranteed your partner is. There is, right? <laughs> right? There is no question that he was probably having a grand time and she was lying in bed wanting to know what's next. Right. And she had three kids. I'm like, girl, you should have at least had three orgasms if you've got yeah. three kids. At, like, a minimum, at a minimum, if that's the only time she had intercourse, right? Yes. <laughs> but you know, it's you're you're very knowledgeable and very forward thinking. And you you we talk about empowerment, but most healthcare practitioners, and I'm not trying to in, indict any healthcare practitioners, this is just coming out, this is coming out of the scientific literature, do not receive any training on how to counsel their patients on the use of sex toys, sex, intimacy. So it's really, it's really important that that is a part of your practice. And it's encouraging that there are folks like yourself who have taken the time to ask these questions and to read the, read the body language, if you will, and, read, and try to interpret the signals as you did with this young woman. And I, I understand you. You said you, you know, you're not in the business of trying to uh, help people to end their marriages when things aren't working out. You're actually helping them to have more fulfilling sexual experiences with their partners. This one just didn't happen to work out. Right. So probably gave him a second, maybe even a third chance, and then said, you know, it's just not worth it, and this is way too difficult. Yeah, I think. Um... 
it's it's so important because I mean it's it's not often, but I still do see more people than I would like that um, even older women who just they've gone their entire marriages just almost sexless or not feeling fulfilled and um now um especially i i see a lot of older women now that maybe their husbands got sick you know maybe and they've been caregivers and so they really didn't have the best sex life before they weren't having any sex you know as a caregiver and then the husband passed away and then they find a new partner and woohoo that's when i hear the oh my gosh i had no idea um and of course you don't necessarily need a, a toy for that but it is just this idea that, you know, that is a form of power um, that we have. And as um, Trevor Noah put it, the vagina is one of the most powerful things known to mankind for all types of reasons. So we need to embrace that power. Absolutely. If it can push a baby out that's as big as a watermelon, it is definitely a powerful, the most powerful organ in the body. And we should not forget that. So, okay, so the, let's, let's chat about um, the woman has made the decision, as in the case of this young woman. So she's made the decision, she's gonna try something. There are so many different types of female sexual empowerment tools. How do you, how do you choose one? How do you recommend a, a, a tool that's right for a particular woman? So, um, you know, the majority of my patients are heterosexual. Um, and so, you know, we definitely need to keep in mind kind of what the orientation is and, you know, not inflict our, what we consider normal um, norms on to everyone. But um, if we take the average heterosexual woman, um, the first thing um, is that we want to, well, where, where I start with, and it's probably my bias, but I'm like, since the majority of women are going to climax through clitoral stimulation, I just think that's where you start. I think you need to understand how your clitoris works, understand what it's required to get there. And the demographic of patients I see are usually having some issue in this area. So the first question I'm usually asking though is, you know, first of all, does your, is your partner pushing the right buttons? I try to get a sense of where the partner is with this because I had a patient the other day, she said her partner, you know, he found her toys and he, he, he hid them from her. I've heard that <laughs> multiple times that there is, you know, um, a sense of just intimidation by, um, especially with maybe if you're, you have a male partner and you're dealing with a woman, um, that they somehow feel intimidated by the toy. And so I first try to just get a sense of how she feels about the toy, how she thinks her partner may feel, if, if she has a partner. If you don't have a partner, then, then it's pretty easy. I pretty much explain there's on average, there's about two different ways to do this. You can focus on the clitoris on the outside or you can focus more on internal. But given how we're wired, I just feel like it's you know easier and more straightforward. 
um, to start with the clitoris and then advance your way into other things if you are so inclined, but that's just my personal bias. So we, we, we think about the sex toys, we, we can think about external stimulation, which is clitoral stimulation, and then internal stimulation, which is more penetrative intercourse. Um, and, you know, there, I know that um, in terms of the, ex, the internal types of products, um, most of them, are, uh, the attempt is to resemble a phallus. So they're of about six inches long. Sorry, guys, I know you want to say that it's much longer than that, but you know, we know it's all an exaggeration. Um, <laughs> but uh, the average circumference is around four and a half inches. Now, that may be okay for a woman who is young, healthy, good tissues, right? But, but for women who are perhaps more mature, in perimenopause, moving into menopause or postmenopause, there's probably other considerations, right? So size, shape, where to start. Yes. And the type of internal toy that I like is, yes, it does obviously um, resemble phallus, but it also is uh, what we call G-spot um, stimulator or massager. So we want to kind of, at least with those, I mean, cause they do have toys that are just like a penis basically and can go in and out. And it's like, well, that's, that could be great for a lot of women. And that may very well be what they want. They're, they understand and they're able to, they, they get pleasure from that. Um, but again, the average woman requires clitoral stimulation to climax. And so, when you talk about these toys and a lot of them, they see them and they, the name, you know, that they frequently call them are dildos. And they imagine that this thing is just going in the vagina. And so for some women, I think they're a little turned off by that idea. Um, maybe because again, they understand that that's not necessarily going to get them to, to climax or give them all the pleasure that they want. So there are the G spot ones and they have what's called this come hither motion. So they go in, they're, they're not that large, um, so to speak. They're not meant to simulate a penis as much as they're meant to come in at an angle and to massage the G-spot, which is the area, what we call on the anterior vaginal wall. Um, so it's like if you put your finger in your vagina and then just kind of bring it outward towards your pubic bone, there's a little point there where you just might sense a little more pleasure. So that's what your G-spot is. It's a little, it's located a little differently in every woman, but it's generally always on the anterior vaginal wall. And, you know, some people believe this is all part of one complex anyway. So the clitoris, the G-spot, they're all, they all are connected. So we can't just be like, oh, it's an internal climax versus an external. Technically speaking, I think it's just where they're arising from. But at the end of the day, um, I like the, those are the two options that I usually start women off um, with so that they can understand better, especially if they're really trying to understand where their G-spot is, because I get that question a lot. Where's my G-spot? How do I get there? We, um, we talk about women who might have genitourinary symptoms of menopause, which is a way of saying in the, it's old, in the old school way of thinking about this. Um, it's really vulvar and vaginal 
issues. Vaginal and vulvar symptoms of menopause. So they're dry, they're irritated. And we want to be sure that they also are using a personal lubricant and moisturizer because it, it may it may hurt to use a sex toy if you're not properly lubricated. And it may, may take some time to get naturally lubricated. Yes, lubrication is a huge part of self-pleasure and even with a partner, obviously. But I think when you're using these toys, you should just pretty much expect to use some type of lubricant. Um, and we know that that lubrication also increases sensation um, and just arousal in general. So um, your toy just feels better, even if you're just on the clitoris or the vulva, it just feels better when there is lubricant there. Um, and that is kind of, it goes hand in hand when somebody gets a toy, then we pretty much are like, you need, you need a lubricant. You need it to go hand in hand. And then we talk about the, um, when you look at some of the toys, intensity or type of vibration and and you know how that figures into the decision because if it's you know if it's someone that is uh, interested in a pulsating versus a surging and an es escalating type of toy uh, that may not be what she really should be using right again it depends on the individual and i know this seems pretty esoteric but again, if you're going to have, if you're going to purchase a sex toy, you probably want to be mindful of what your body feels like before you start using the toy. And you want to be mindful of what may hurt and what may feel good. So you may start what in one way and move to another type of a device, if we can use that expression or toy. Yeah, we, um, well, most of the toys, at least the ones that we carry in the office, and obviously I don't have knowledge of all of them, but I think a lot of them have, you know, different gradations of intensity. Um, and a lot of them have different waveforms where, you know, go here, do it this way, that way, at least three to four different ways. So it's, it's you know, different strokes, so to speak, for different folks. And some people like, you know, pulsation, some people like continuous mode. Some people like that rumble wave up and come back down. And so, and, you know, it just, again, that's when, you know, you can really just <laughs> have a night of it and just try to figure out, well, what do I like? You know, do I like this? Do I like that? And that really can also inform what you like if you are, you know, with your partner. And let's not forget that you can use these tools with your partner. Um, I know that's uh, not as easy a thing for some people because of, you know, the partners. Again, I hear this a lot that women feel like they're male. Um, again, we're just talking about heterosexual relationships. So um, I know that there are all types of different um, ways. But at the end of the day, when we're talking about that heterosexual relationship, there are, are lots of men who... Um, seem to be intimidated or, or bothered by it. And so there's, there's definitely um, sometimes a conversation that needs to be had. It's not that kind of thing where you, I don't know if you just show up. It's, it's just kind of, um, 
it's kind of a catch 22 because you want to obviously some be transparent, but depending on how your partner responds, um, you may not want to be so transparent. Um, but this idea, again, I've heard from more than uh, a few women that their partners either throw their toys away or <laughs> hide them. And I, it's kind of blows my mind because I'm like, that says a lot about the dynamics in that relationship. Um, and I don't really, at that point, I don't really have a whole lot. I'm like, then we need to, we need therapy, um, sex therapy or couples counseling or something, because that is kind of ridiculous, you know, um, but it speaks to so much more that may be going on. And, and that's maybe the issue is that there is so much more and, and, and the, the woman may not be dealing with that either. It really comes down to a control issue. What you're describing comes down to a control issue. And if, if you're controlling your partner's pleasure in a way that is unhealthy and unhelpful, then you're, there is no question that this requires a larger conversation and counseling. And talk about lack of equality in the relationship. That is, yeah. that is absolutely so obvious to me. Yeah. I'm not a sex therapist or a counselor, but I believe in equality in relationships, any relationship, and especially in a sexual relationship. So yeah, that sounds like something, you know, much larger. And in fact, your partner's knowledge and their positivity towards the use of these female sexual empowerment tools really is associated with a better outcome, right? So if you, if you have openness and if you discuss you know, what you are expecting to derive from this, then it makes it easy for both of you, can augment your sex life. Yeah, and I think the, the problem that we run into is that as we get older, we, we just either don't wanna deal with it or just not, as open-minded, but you know, our bodies change and we need different things. So what we were able to accomplish, you know, I mean, I remember when I was 14, 15, I probably could have had an orgasm just, you know, rubbing on the, the, the carpet, you know, just on the floor, but that, that doesn't happen anymore. I, you know, you just, you need more <laughs> to get maybe to that same point. Your hormones aren't the same, your sensations not the same. And so, you can very well, I think they're a wonderful tool to use with foreplay and, and intercourse because, because of the fact that we are designed a little differently. And so if it is about our pleasure, then there's a definite place for something, especially like a clitoral vibrator. Um, I mean, I could kind of begin to see where, you know, a male partner would not be so excited about, you know, the internal but at the end of the day, you got to do what you got to do. And, you know, if the whole, if the whole point is to have pleasure um, and not necessarily climax, but to have pleasure, you got to, what does that look like? And that's going to look different in every single couple. Um, and that's a, you know, something that they need to have some open conversations around. Um, but I just think they can add to, you know, an already good sex life as long as you know every of course everybody's safe and 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 everybody feels comfortable with whatever it is I mean if there's something you don't feel comfortable with you know or for example we have toys here that are prostate massagers 
And, um, you know, I have some men, they come in and they look at that and they're like, oh no, never, you know, not in a million years, you're sticking that around me. And so, um, <laughs> you know, so your partner has everything to do with what that can look like, you know, male or female. Absolutely. We talk about, you mentioned safety. And I know that at least in our previous discussion, you mentioned medical grade, um, that you that the vibrators and the toys that you have um, and that you recommend are all medical grade. And I, I, I believe that that's really important. And there are some some vibrators, not, not all vibrators or sexual um, tools are made the same. So cautionary note about phthalates. So if there are phthalates in your um, in, in a toy that you're exploring, you may want to consider changing that up to something that is medical grade without a phthalate because phthalates are carcinogens. Um, ditto on cleaning, ditto on sharing. So the cautionary notes are- Yeah, okay, yeah, the sharing. <laughs> STIs can, can go a long way. Yeah, I'm like, mm, um, sharing, yeah. I don't, uh, I, yeah, that has not come up in my experience, but um, outside of, um, I've had a few teenage girls uh, steal their mom's vibrators. I have heard those stories. Um, but outside of that, um, yeah, I don't think sharing is probably a good practice. Um, I'm, I can't think of when it would be, but hey, you know, there's, there's probably some times. But um, yeah, keeping it clean, keeping it, you're, you're, just like, you know, you drink, if, if you care about organic food or drinking from plastic um, and in your, your drinking water and all of these things, it's, it's the same applies. This is something that you're putting either in or on your body and maybe for a prolonged period of time, you just want to be thoughtful about what's going in there. Absolutely. And going in there and going in there safely and, and doing it responsibly and having those conversations. So we, we, we had a great conversation on this as part one. Obviously, there are going to be many questions that our audience will ask. And as we get questions from our audience, we will think about how we want to approach part two, because there is more to be discussed that could be of interest to women as they think about how to use this as a tool for empowerment, um, their sexual empowerment. Thinking about this young woman that um, whose story you shared with us in the beginning of the podcast, I'm certain that there are many other women who are out there. They may not be 26, they may be 56 or 76 who have probably never had an orgasm, which is really sad. We just did a, a podcast a couple of days ago with another ob and she recommends to her patients three orgasms per week. So can you imagine if your partner is not able to do it for you? You may need to find another way. Right. And, you know, there's obviously just the benefits of, of sexual uh, and, that, and that intimacy, whether it's with another person or by yourself, there's we know of there's several benefits um, that we derive. So yeah, it's, it's, a, it's, a, loaded, it's a loaded topic. Um, and I think it also shines the light on 
the unfortunate um, disparities that we see in relationships and, um, and unfortunately the ignorance that a lot of women have around their bodies and their sexual health. And, you know, I have women, I think I mention all the time, they really want to know, does my vagina look normal? And it's like, I, I get it in the sense that you don't, I mean, obviously I'm a gynecologist, so I privy to a lot more vaginas than the average person, but this idea that, you know, women, as we think that somehow there's something abnormal about us as we're aging and and changing. And it's like, no, that's what your labia do. Like they're gonna get longer and they might sag and they might, you know, get a little darker and all of that's normal. And, you know, it's it's just not an area that we've given um, ourselves permission to explore and even accept. Um, and that's, I think a lot driven by the media um, and what we see you know, whether it's, again, why I always chuckle when I see a couple, you know, in bed on in a TV show and they're having actual intercourse and then the woman climaxes, which again is, I'm not saying that's not normal or it's not achievable. It's very much so, but it's just, it has been like the accepted norm. Like you're going to have intercourse for like you know, two, three minutes, and then you're going to climax. And it's like, that's just not how that's working out. And so you really got some learning to do. Um, and I hope that, you know, this um, allows women to just have more curiosity and, and feel more empowered to figure out what it is that really, you know, gets them going. Well, for practitioners like yourself and, and for companies like Fem Pharma who sponsor the Love Me Vita podcast, our aim is to do just that. It's about enlightenment as much as it is about the fact that we provide good products for women that can help them to enjoy their lives more. That's what Love Me Vita means. It's also about enlightenment. It's about education. It's about destigmatizing what was considered taboo. And let's face it, as, as women age, must, much of what they hear is that you have to be young, you have to be sexy. And if you're, if you're not young, you're not sexy. And that's not true. We know that that's not true. Women, women have vibrant sex lives as they mature and age until the and can do so until the day that they die, as long as they are healthy, and that's the most important factor. It's maintain that health. Yes, I have some eighty-plus-year-old patients that would absolutely disagree. I think they're. I tell them every time, like you're my hero. I'm like, wow, like <laughs> she's still very much sexual, very active, and very much trying to keep that part of her her life alive. So I think. Um, we just need to put the word out that it's, it's okay. It's okay to be sexual. It's okay for self-pleasure. And it's not only okay, but it's kind of expected that you should understand your body better than anybody else. Big part of quality of life. Dr. Ariana Scholes Douglas, it has been a pleasure having you as our guest on the Love Mia Vita podcast. If you have questions and want to know more about Dr. Ariana, or would like to visit her online store, which is um, Atula Wellness, feel free to uh, check that out and look at her book, uh, which busts the myths, myths of menopause. 
We are very excited to be working with you. Thank you so much for your uh, participation in our Love Mia Vita podcast. And we look forward to the next time. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. I'd love to keep this conversation going. And for those of you listening, this is the Love Mia Vita podcast with Dr. Ariana Scholes Douglas, expert OBGYN and women empowerment extraordinaire. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you again. Thank you.